For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be a priest. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children in calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The epistle reading is from 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 to 13. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in according with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we are not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but to give you our, in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. So now search persons, we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. We just spent some time um, talking a little bit about how extensive the issue of hunger is, um, especially um, in our area. We have so many of these, these food deserts, so many children um, that rely on school lunches to get any kind of good nutrition in their lives. Um, and homelessness is likewise not something that we are immune to in our city. There's no denying that there are many people who are adequately uh, neither housed nor fed. Um, they're both lacking in those things. And so it's important to take that learning a step further and to hear stories. 
We can look at numbers all day long, and it makes it easy to separate ourselves from the humanity of the people who are struggling with these particular issues. Um, and when we hear their stories, we learn a little bit more about who they really are and how they got to where they're at. Um, if you have a hard copy of the sermon, there are a couple of articles attached to it. One of them is some stories of folks who've suffered from homelessness. Right now, what I want to share with you is actually a video of someone sharing a little bit of his story um, of homelessness. It's not someone from Pittsburgh, but it's someone from Columbus, a similar sort of city, uh, comparable size, uh, same part of the country. Um, so I want to share this with you. Um, that's from a YouTube channel called Invisible People. I encourage you to check that out at some point. There are just scads and scads of stories from people talking about how they wound up where they wound up. Um, some of the, the stories that I came across this morning as I was, I was looking through what they had uh, was an 18-year-old who had been on the streets for 11 years because things were so bad at home as a child, he left and struck out on his own. Um, people who um, went to another city to try and create a better life for themselves and wound up stuck there and homeless and couldn't get home. Um, just story after story of just people who are living in a broken world and um, weren't fortunate enough to find ways out of that. Um, so I encourage you to check those out. Um, there are a lot of assumptions and stereotypes out there in the world when we think about people who are homeless um, and people who struggle to put food on the table. Um, stereotypes like they're just lazy and they're not looking hard enough for work. Uh, they don't want to change their situation and get help for mental illness or addiction. They're mostly just criminals. But many of them do try <laughs> quite hard to find work, but it is hard to get a job, any job, if you don't have an address or a phone number. If you don't have an address or a phone number, you're not going to get a job at McDonald's. You're not going to get a job at Kmart. You're not getting a job anywhere, entry level anywhere, if you don't have those things. Um, many don't have any kind of identification, even photo identification, which is also required for most employment. Many are trying very hard to escape the grips of addiction or mental illness, but our resources for those particular problems are stretched too thin. And that's not just our area, that's across the board in our country. Resources for those trying to overcome addiction or deal with mental illness are just stretched too thin. And homeless people are actually more likely to be a victim of a crime than they are to commit a crime. Um, that's why that man sleeps under a camera. If we aren't careful in reading our passage this morning from the letter to the Thessalonians, we might find in it a reason to screen people before helping. We might find in it a justification for buying into those stereotypes. Make sure they're looking for jobs, trying to change, being kind to all before we try to offer any help. But we have to be really careful to remember why Paul was writing this to the church. He's not talking just about hunger in general when he says that eating is just for those who are working. He's not saying we should stop feeding those who don't 
have jobs. As with everything that he writes to the churches, there are multiple layers of what's going on, and there's certainly a spiritual element of what he's saying. Paul reminds us that there will always be people who are trying to game the system. I frequently get phone calls at the church, usually on the pastoral care hotline in the middle of dinner, uh, from people with a very sad story, the end of which is that they need money. And the story almost always goes like this. My mother slash brother slash cousin slash father-in-law slash some other family member is on life support in Buffalo slash Cleveland slash Chicago slash some other city that is within about a day's bus ride or train ride from Pittsburgh. And this family member is being taken off of life support in about two to three days from whenever the phone call happens and they need 38 or 50 or 29 or however many dollars to buy a bus or train ticket to that whatever the city is and can we give them at least some of that money to get home before the loved one dies and this is a very sad story and the first time i heard it i felt terrible for the person on the other end of the line and i said we don't have a cash fund at my church for that sort of thing can I personally take you to the Greyhound station and buy you this bus ticket that you need? And he hung up on me. <laughs> so the next time I heard that same exact story, I thought, well, this is weird. What are the odds of two people having the exact same situation come up? That seems like pretty slim odds. But I said the same thing to this person. I said, we don't have a cash fund at my church for that sort of thing. Can I take you to the Greyhound station and buy you the ticket myself? And this caller didn't hang up, but they began to backpedal about how they didn't want me going out of my way like that. And they already had part of the money and they didn't need the whole ticket. What Paul is saying in this letter is not that we shouldn't have some sort of boundaries in our generosity. It's okay to set boundaries with people. It's okay to call out someone who is obviously um, not in great, great need for what they're asking. Um, could possibly call them a mooch. Um, we just have to be careful to remember that that is the exception to the norm. We cannot assume that everyone who seems homeless or hungry is a lazy mooch. And remember that Paul is saying this specifically in the context of the church community. The community he's talking to thinks that Jesus is returning within days to establish the new kingdom, that none of this will matter anyway, very, very Soon, Yet here we sit nearly 2,000 years later, and we are not yet back in that kingdom. They are looking at the peaceable kingdom that Isaiah describes, and they're figuring that it's going to be here this week anyway, so why bother helping out in the life and the well-being of the community? And that sort of changes things, doesn't it, in this passage? He says that there are people in the church community that he is talking to who are lazy and there are also ones who are busybodies. They look like they're doing things. They look like they're invested in the life of the community, but they're not. They look needy or invested, but they're really just along for the ride. One of my commentaries this week um, said it this way. There are those who do not mooch just sandwiches. They want to mooch spiritually as well. They may sit in the pew Sunday after Sunday, but they do not do any work themselves. The preacher will tell me what the Bible says. The congregation will do my praying for me. At that point, Paul's admonition, if you will not work, you cannot eat, 
becomes descriptive rather than prescriptive. If you do not read the Bible for yourself, if you do not have your own prayer time, no one else can do it for you. You will not be fed. You will not grow. You will not mature as a Christian. This passage is not meant to say, go take on the mooches and busybodies of the world and stop caring. It's more of some of us, when we lose our momentum, become mooches and some of us become busybodies. Don't do that. Work hard for God's kingdom. There is no coasting in Christianity. As with all scripture, this passage is far more powerful. It's more respectful and authentic to read it as having something to say about our own growth and need for change rather than trying to just throw it at other people who we perceive being the people Paul is talking to. And what Isaiah, the prophet, offers us this morning is a glimpse into that kingdom that we are to be creating. This kingdom will be so wonderful. We'll forget all about this hot mess. War-torn and sad places like Jerusalem will no longer know strife and violence. The wolf will lay down with the lamb and take a nap together. We're still teaching our new dog to stop chasing the cats, and so I'm replacing in my mind wolf and lamb with bulldog and tabby cat. <laughs> Things like cancer and AIDS and sudden infant death syndrome will all be no more in this kingdom that Isaiah describes. Everyone will have the capability to provide for themselves, and we will no longer have to worry about who is mooching and genuinely unable to care for themselves. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Provision for everyone, peace for all. That is what we are working toward, not because we're the ones who bring it, but we are the ones who help to point it out to those around us. And it's nice to have this guidance, this description. Work for peace. Make sure everyone is provided for. Comfort those who are struggling and grieving. Be a reminder that there is something better waiting for us. And it might be a long time before we see that in its fullness but we can help and point out pieces of it here and now. I wanna share another piece of it here in another short video that will also uh, be on the church blog and there's an article um, with a little more information about this project attached to the sermon as well. A lot of our clients that come in, they have a place to put a tent and that's enough. And then they'll get a hut 